Tonight we look at a promise of Jesus that reminds us that he is coming again. It's found for us in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. There we read, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. I'm guessing that most of you find really good proposals, engagement stories, heartwarming, maybe even romantic. I bet you have friends or maybe relatives that you've heard their stories of proposals and you wonder, how am I ever going to live up to that someday? Or I hope my man someday can live up to that kind of story. I would love to stand up here and tell you that 29 years ago, I knocked my proposal out of the park. I thought I had it all planned out. I thought it was going to be great, and yet it didn't quite go the way I expected. I'll share. Every Tuesday night, my future wife and I, Mary, would go to the movies in Milwaukee. That was our date night, Tuesday nights, because the budget theater had movies for this is how old I am, $1.50 every Tuesday night. So I thought, oh, what better place to get engaged than the spot of our Tuesday date night every week. And so we went to the movie theater, bought our tickets, went in and sat down. I don't know, I probably made up some excuse like I have to go to the bathroom. And in my pocket was the box with the ring in it, and I went out and ordered a tub, a bucket of popcorn. And I asked them, I had it in a plastic bag. <laughs> I asked them to put it in the bottom of the tub of popcorn. And then I took the popcorn back into the theater. Yeah, this is where the problem started. Some of you are already figuring out, maybe some of them. See, the first mistake I made is we went out to eat before we went to the movies. So neither of us was hungry. To this day, I feel, still feel like I should go back to the theater and figure out who was working that night and apologize for the cleanup they had to do because I began reaching into the bucket and throwing handfuls of popcorn on the floor. Finally, we got down far enough into the bucket that my wife reached in, she felt the little plastic bag, and she kind of jumped a little bit. I think, you have to ask her, but I'm pretty sure she thought it was a mouse. That's what she told me later. And then she finally pulled the bag out and realized, oh, no, it was the ring. And so then I got down on my knee in a bunch of popcorn <laughs> and proposed to my wife. The rest is history, but that was my failed proposal story. I don't know if you caught it, and I wouldn't expect that you did. But did you realize that the first three verses of John 14 are a proposal? It's Jesus proposing to his disciples and to us. And I know that sounds strange to us because it's not the way that we would think. The marriage customs in Jesus' day aren't what they are today. And yet I want to walk you through a little bit what Jesus is saying to you and me and how special this promise comes in the form of a proposal, which is really what a promise is, isn't it? And so today, tonight, as we take a look at these verses from John chapter 14, let's remind ourselves that Jesus' proposal, his promise is what gives us peace. First of all, we see in this proposal that while we are together, while Jesus calls us his very own, we're still apart. And yet there will be a time coming 
where we will be together forever. As we take a look at John chapter 14 tonight, I'll just remind you, you might even remember that Jesus was speaking to his disciples these words in the upper room on Monday, Thursday evening as they were celebrating that Passover meal together. The disciples' heads were probably spinning by this point because Jesus has not only done things like wash their feet, but he also said there was a traitor among them and that all of the other disciples were going to desert him and flee, turn their backs on him. As they were trying to wrap their minds around all those those confusing things that Jesus had in store for them, it was Jesus who wanted to bring them comfort. Now just consider this for a minute. Jesus is mere hours from being crucified. And yet, notice who his thoughts are for. Not for himself, but in bringing comfort and peace to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he tells them. And what comes next is a picture of what marriage was like in Jesus' day. The disciples didn't miss the picture of what Jesus was trying to share with them. And for us to understand it, we're going to kind of go back and review what marriages were like in Jesus' day. Really, they happened in stages, and and maybe we'll say at least five stages, and we'll kind of walk through them. Actually, found a lot of this in a book called Blessed Are the Misfits, written by author Brant Hansen. Stage one, he said, is the betrothal stage. This one we understand. It's similar to our engagement. And yet, there's a little bit of a difference because it was a legally binding promise. Do you remember this from the Christmas story? that when Joseph found out that Mary was expecting a child, even though they were only betrothed, they were promised, they had made a promise to one another, Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly. It was legal action that Joseph had to take because of the promise that he had made. Sometimes it was as much as a whole year between the time that a husband would come to his wife and say, will you marry me, to the time that they actually lived together as husband and wife. And so while the promise had been made and, and ultimately they were together as husband and wife, they were still apart, still living apart from one another. Phase two of marriage in Jesus' day involved an agreement between the families Oftentimes, it was a father who would pick out a wife for his son. Sometimes the son was able to pick out his own spouse. But either way, what the son did next is go to the family and offer a price. There was an agreement made as to how much money and goods would exchange hands in order for that girl to come with her new husband. Once the price was agreed upon, a glass of wine was poured And each husband, future husband and future wife would drink from that cup to signify that the agreement had been made. That led to stage three. Before he left, the husband would leave gifts for his wife, presents. I suppose he did that for multiple uh, multiple reasons. First of all, to demonstrate to her how special she was, how much he was looking forward to living together as husband and wife. He did it to remind the price that had been paid, She had been paid for, redeemed, I suppose you could even say. And then the third reason, it demonstrated that he had a desire to return, his promise to return to take her to be with him and live with him. What happened next? The groom would go home, back to his father's house, and then a building project would ensue. He would literally build a room at his father's house. I suppose today we might call it the honeymoon suite. 
He would build it in preparation for bringing his wife to his home. And it wasn't until that project was complete and only when it was completed to the father's satisfaction that the groom could then go and get his bride and bring her back to his home, return her to him. And that led to the fifth part of the marriage stages, the celebration part. When the man would make the journey back to the woman's house and then bring her back home, they would enter the honeymoon suite, consummate the marriage, and then the celebration would begin. A little different than the way things are done today. But the celebration was all about this. People who had been together yet apart were no longer apart. They were now together, period. They were with each other as they had longed for. Think about that as I think about the Advent season, as we think about the coming of Jesus, not just at Christmas, but really the coming of Jesus at the end of time, we understand what it means to be together yet apart. We know Jesus is with us. We know his promises. And yet, we are not experiencing in full the joy that Jesus has waiting for us. We are together, yet we're still apart. Perhaps that explains a little bit why we often feel restless or incomplete in this life. As long as we're living life in this earth away from being with Jesus in what he's promised, the eternity that he has promised, we won't be complete. And maybe that shouldn't surprise us as God's people. After all, through Solomon, God wrote this. He has planted eternity in the human heart. We long for that Eternity. We long to be together with Jesus fully and forever in heaven. And that's exactly what Jesus is promising in these words in John 14. I'm going to walk through those words with you a little bit to demonstrate how they follow nicely those five stages of what a wedding was like in Jesus' day. As we compare Jesus' words, the first part was the betrothal, the promise. And Jesus was making promises to his disciples that evening. As a matter of fact, in the verses right before our text, Jesus says, I'm going to leave and you can't follow now, but you will follow later. Jesus was going to leave. He was going to leave them because he had things to accomplish. He had preparations that needed to be made. But before he left, there was an agreement that was put in place. A price was paid. This was no cheap price. The price that Jesus offered for his disciples, for you and for me, his very body and blood. You know what Jesus said to his disciples that night in the upper room? Take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. That's exactly what the disciples did. And by drinking of that cup that Jesus passed around, they were signifying and signed, sealed and delivering that promise, that agreement that was made. Before Jesus left, he also promised gifts to his disciples. If you would keep reading in chapter 14 through the discussion that Jesus had with his disciples, you would hear him say that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, the counselor, who was going to teach them all of these things. He promises them peace, to leave them peace, not as the world gives. And so that's why they could, not, could let their hearts not be troubled. And then Jesus speaks next of the most beautiful part of this picture of all. He's going to his father's house. His father's house where there are many rooms. And he's getting those rooms prepared. 
prepared like a groom, prepared a room for his bride. And then Jesus promises that he's coming back. He's coming back to get us, to take us to be with him, to live with him forever. And that's when the celebration will begin. You see, that's what Advent is all about. It's waiting for, it's longing for that coming, for Jesus to come back so that we can live with him forever in heaven. Isn't that an amazing thing? That Jesus would put these words in the form of a proposal? That he's saying to you and me, this promise that I'm making you, this proposal that I'm offering, it's for peace. It's for comfort. It's to keep you mindful of the fact that I've already claimed you as my own and I have a place waiting for you in heaven. In short, you are Jesus' bride. Each one of you. That's what Jesus is saying to us in this text. He's preparing a place for us and he's going to take us to be with him forever. I don't know what troubles are on your heart and mind as you're here this evening, but like the disciples, our hearts become easily troubled too, don't they? Think about all the things in this world that can bring worry and anxiety, whether it's something like school or exams that are coming up, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's health for you or for a loved one, it's finances, finding a job, all those things that can weigh heavily on our, on our hearts and on our minds. And you know what they do? They cloud Jesus and his promises from our hearts, from our, our minds and our eyes. That's why these promises of Jesus are so important. To hear Jesus say to you and me, I give you peace. As my bride, I've claimed you as my own and I'm ready to take you to me forever. I'd like you to take two things away with you tonight as you think about these words from John 14. Number one, Jesus' proposal reminds us that we are his people, yet we are not yet where we want to be. See, that explains why Jesus could say in this world you'll have trouble. But we don't lose heart because Jesus has already overcome the world, because Jesus has already promised and prepared a place for us. And then number two, Jesus' promise to come back gives us peace as we wait to be with him forever in heaven. Jesus promises that that place is prepared and he promises you that he's coming back to take you to be with him. And as we celebrate that this Advent season, hold on to that promise and look ahead to Jesus' coming. I'm going to guess during most of your time in, in Madison, most of you have at some, at some time had parents or visitors come to Madison to visit you and you've tried to take them out to one of the nice restaurants or popular restaurants here in downtown Madison. Maybe, I won't say mistake because it's not a mistake, but maybe you've stood in line at Short Stack or Bassett Street Brunch Club, or maybe if you've gone in the evening, you've tried to get into the old-fashioned on Capitol Square, right? And you know that some of those places sometimes have a long, long wait. They don't often, but every once in a while, they might take reservations. And you know that makes all the difference, right? If you have a reservation, you can walk right into a place, pass the line, sit at the table that's waiting for you, and get ready to dine. You have a reservation, a room with your name on it, written by Jesus, signed in his blood that promises you that your place in heaven is secure. That's your joy. That's the promise that Jesus has made, that, that you have a place with him forever. And that's our reason to rejoice.
Listen again to these words from John chapter 14, verse 3. Jesus says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take, and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Wow. That's a promise. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the blessings that you give us every single day. Today especially, we thank you for your promise, a promise that Jesus made to his disciples, a promise for us in the form of that proposal. Thank you for reminding us of how special we are in your sight, that Jesus would call us his very bride and that he would lay down his life to pay the price to redeem us. We know, Lord, that he has prepared a place for us, that we have reservations in eternity with our names on them. How that fills us with joy and confidence and comfort and peace in this life. When the worries and cares of this life come up, Lord, remind us of that promise. Hold that before our eyes and keep us joyful in all that you have done as you guide us to our eternal home. We pray that you continue to bless our students, especially with the busy time of year coming up. Watch over them, give them strength, Lord, and keep them mindful that your constant presence with, with, with them will get them through all of those difficult times. Give them, Lord, success in all that they do. Remind them that you are in charge of all things and that you are leading their lives on the path that you know is best and ultimately to a home with you in heaven. We pray all these things in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.